I'm back from holiday. I've learned one major thing. Daniel, if we can, uh, that would be great. Hello, kids. Uh, I tell you what, airports are out of this world, aren't they? Like, that's not a joke. They're just crazy places right now. Here are some of the things I saw uh, in Hagerda Airport and Gatwick Airport. Okay? I saw, this is absolutely true, a mum forced feeding her child Skittles to try and get the sugar level up enough that in her words, and she said this, you're going to crash on the plane. Now, can I just say, the expression, you're going to crash on the plane, is not a good expression (laughs) to speak to anyone uh, at an airport. I saw in the queue in Hagerda a dad playing on a little digital device while his kids were nagging him for attention, like banging on his arm. Uh, And he said, entertain yourself, I'm busy doing something important. Yeah, I know, awful, isn't it? Awful. Some of you are going... Was that me? No, relax, relax. Um, I saw kids running through Hagerda Airport, seemingly with no parent anywhere (laughs) nearby, uh, running through security doors, or at least trying to. The Egyptians take security very seriously. Um, I saw people doing all kinds of weird contortions to get the best photo They could, sort of sticking out their bottoms and their faces and their lips and their ears. On a holiday, I even saw a mum who was using her son to be her camera tripod. But what was weird was she was extending her arm out to make it look like it was a selfie, but then getting a better angle by her son. I saw people painted all kinds of colours. It was very odd. Uh, it was like, who could go the deepest, darkest? And do you know what the worst thing was? Do you know what the worst thing was? At the middle of it all was a local church pastor from Tame judging them. Judging them. And judging them. And, and I was sickened with myself, if I'm honest. Because initially it was funny. I was like, Claire, look at them. Look at their parenting compared to ours. Look at our kids standing in fear beside their angry father. (laughs) Don't say a word. Don't say a word as we go through security. Remember what happened in France. What did I say in France? You said we had a bomb in the car. Yes. (laughs) Yes, you did. Claire will tell you I am not... A good international traveller. Come on, let's go in this queue. That other queue's too slow. Those people are stupid. What kind of idiots don't have their passports out? Open with their boarding pass. It's not difficult. Show the boarding pass. Show the boarding pass. At the middle of it is this bitter... It's you. And I'm not joking, it started fun. But I'm glad that you looked a bit horrified when I was describing those people. Because it wasn't nice, was it? And yet, I guess what it revealed to me is, if we go to the next slide, that in one sense, our airports just spring out of this world, a world where people are divided and competitive, where people are angry and anxious, where people are self-entitled and me-centred, where people sometimes are are literally genuinely lost. Like, it's that glorious bit, isn't it? I I saw one tourist, this is not funny, walking around Gatwick going, is this Heathrow? Is this Heathrow? And people going, no, it's Gatwick. But it's as if they just couldn't believe it. So they were just asking everyone. 
<laughs> and then there was somebody who just pointed at the side and went, it's Gatwick. Um, lost thing if he's waiting and wishing. But the sad bit is, me as a believer in Christ, someone who I know God has called me out of that world into something new, me acting exactly the same. And if anything, doing worse, because I was the Pharisee in the room. Can't believe she'd stick her lips out like that. Can't believe she'd wear that to the airport. Can't believe they'd parent like that. Can't believe they're in my way. I'm busy. I want to get there. Can't believe they're holding me up. And I was really challenged about myself in a quite a profound way. Because I'm meant to be from the kingdom of light. And I wasn't bringing it. Does that make sense? You're kind of with me? And we're going we're gonna to talk about this because I don't know about you, and I guess this is good news to you. We're going to talk, uh, Dan, if we can. If I told you there was a message that Jesus brought to an angry, anxious, self-centered, self-entitled, lost, confused, waiting and wishing people, would you want to hear that? That might not be where you're at today, but, but would you want to hear that? Yeah? I don't know if any of those words hit you. Maybe, and I love Simon, he's like, that's me. I mean, traveling brings it out of us, doesn't it? We, we talked about liminal spaces, like last year. Liminal spaces are these in-between spaces. Airports are that. You're not at your destination, so you feel stressed. But it reveals what's inside. It feels like, I don't know about you, culturally, we're in the middle of something and we don't know where we're going. It's like post-COVID and it's not COVID anymore. And, and our, kind of, we're not quite sure where our government's heading or our world's heading and, and we're sort of post-Brexit and we're, we're, we're sort of post some technology stuff and, it, and it's just uncomfortable isn't it it's just uncomfortable and, and it's bringing out in lots of us anxiety and we see the stats in that if I said there was a message would you want to hear it do you want to need it what if I told you just because I know it's warm and I, I'm trying to introduce the series Dan next slide please what if I told you this message is where the bible starts and ends shapes the very first word God speaks about himself in Genesis dominates the Old Testament narrative, divides Matthew's genealogy, that's a list of names, into three sets of 14 generations, promised, present, predicted, appears nearly 90 times in the New Testament, is the reason the Romans crucified Jesus, is why the cross was a victory, was the first thing Jesus preached about, was the last thing the disciples asked about, was the last thing Jesus taught about, is the subject of a third of Jesus' parables, is why Jesus told people to repent, is in the prayer that Jesus taught us, is the foundation of the Great Commission, what the church is for, is what the church is for and what all our worship aims to connect with. If it describes where our world is as it is now and it is what the bible says is what all creation is waiting to see and the answer is not just jesus even though some of you are going it's jesus it's the church it's jesus would you want to hear it does that seem like it's important that's the challenge of this series right this is what this new series is going to be about and i'm giving you just a taste today it's that back to school thing our series is this dan if you can flick it on the kingdom of God. The kingdom of, and some of you went, huh, I thought it was going to be something really exciting. This is exciting. This is exciting. It's going to cut through, and, and we're going to get there at the end today, cut through some of that stuff that we're, we're in when we're in this kingdom of this world. What I love is the kingdom of God is near, is what Jesus said. It doesn't mean it's not quite here yet. It's, it's near, it's touchable. It's glimpsable that Jesus has ushered it in on the cross, that it's going to be revealed and it's going to appear fully, but it's being revealed now. And I don't know about you, when you're lost in an airport and waiting, and like the day before we went on holiday, there was that weird glitch in the system. 
And I was like, oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we? And I was like checking my phone every three seconds. And everything just felt like it was not going to happen. When that good news comes, actually, it's all right. You're like, how much more when Jesus says, do you know what? It's all right. I've got history in my hand. I know the end. I know where you are now. Still king. Still mighty. Still saving. And yes, you pathetic little puny pastor from Tame, who was the Pharisee in the middle of the airport, yes, I chose you to be my disciple. Because I'm most glorified in you. Because you're a jar of clay. Like, I love that. I love that he's going to give us a bit of purpose and a bit of, of good stuff. Just really briefly, and, and um, I just want to look at a passage today just to kind of introduce it. We're going to be doing a whole term uh, up until our Christmas series looking at it. So we're going to look through what is the kingdom of God? What does it mean? Uh, why is it the thing that sends us out? Uh, that The big message is that, that, that us as a church, mission is not an optional extra. We don't have a season where we do good things. If we are not on mission as a church, we are not the church. It's like a fire that's not burning. It's not fire if it's not burning. Like, mission is, is, is exciting and scary and joyful, and I love that God's already uh, doing some things. Can I tell you something really, really cool? And I hope I can keep you with me on this. This was my sort of Easter, uh, not Easter, summer kind of reading. Did you know the beginning of Luke's gospel mirrors the beginning of Genesis? Right, so Genesis is the creation story. Right, just, just bear with me. So, so in Luke chapter 1, we get life being spoken out of barrenness. There's a woman that can't have a baby, right? And, and the word of God comes and life is spoken out of barrenness. There's this word and life begins, right? Um, and that the Holy Spirit, it says, covers over, hovers over Mary. And in Genesis, it says it hovers over the waters, Right? There's this sort of this like little links going back and forth. Now, some of you are going to be skeptical, and that's cool. Be skeptical for about a couple more verses. In Luke 2, we get Jesus, right? Jesus is born. This new Adam who's in perfect relationship with his father. Right? In Genesis 1, there's Adam who's in perfect relationship with his father. And then in Luke 2, you get this new Adam, Jesus. And, the, and there's a story about him in the temple, and you, I'm going to be in my father's house. I'm going to love his word. It's like he's a better Adam. Adam didn't love the word of God. Jesus does love the word of God. Some of you are going, I'm a little bit skeptical about this. Okay, that's fine. Keep bear with me. In Luke 3, there's a baptism scene where life comes out of water, similarly as in Genesis. And while some of you are sceptical, can I also say, in Luke 3, there is a genealogy that literally links Jesus back to Adam. This story is saying there's a new beginning. How many of you are ready for a new beginning? You just are ready for a new beginning. Emotionally, physically, professionally, but more than that, globally. You ready for a new beginning? I am. You know, we're going to pray for Morocco later. I'm ready for a new beginning. I'm ready for life and not death and love and not destruction and joy and not despair. That's what I'm ready for. And the good news of the kingdom is Jesus says it's coming. You get this genealogy where the link's made. But then you get this glorious bit in Luke 4, just before our reading, where Jesus goes to the wilderness and he's tempted by the devil, just like Adam was. And just like with Adam, the devil's like twisting God's words. He's using God's words, but twisting it. Just the same. 
And Jesus does not, does not fail the test. Now you might say, well, I don't understand. Why have you gone here? The kingdom of God is not just a nice idea. It is the present reality. A historical, testable, glorious, powerful figure does this so we know the kingdom is here, that he's trustable. But that a new kingdom has come. By the way, Nick and Dan, thank you for blowing this up. The, the devil can't create anything good. And so what he did was he tore out from God's good creation a sham two-dimensional picture of what the world was. And for history, the clashing of these two things causes a lot of the heartbreak and damage and, and, and pain that we see. This kind of, you know, when you rub stuff together and there's heat and friction and a bit like, sadly, in Morocco with like seismic plates rubbing. You know, some of what goes through our world is, is the fact that when this happened and rebellion happened, it broke. Some of you guys know that when I flew back uh, from Morocco once, uh, the engine on my plane was the dodgiest looking engine <laughs> I've ever seen. And we literally flew back as if that wing was like flapping. And the whole way through, I was like, this is not how a plane is meant to fly. And there were people next to me going, oh, I've never been airsick before. <laughs> and we're sitting there on the plane like this. And I'm thinking, well, no wonder you're airsick. This is not how the plane is designed to be. And God designed a good world and this friction, this clash. And when Jesus passes the test, he says, look, I've come into this. I've come into this. I didn't just abandon it. I filled it. And I'm going to fill it with my presence. And God and people will be together again. And, and, and I want to say this. The kingdom of God is not theology. It's a reality. Our God reigns. He's calling rebels back to himself. The blunt challenge this morning is if you're someone who's still saying, I'm not sure where I'm at with God, please know you're not doing that in a passive state. We're either rebels or disciples. That's, that's the, the, the challenge of this. The good news is that God and Jesus called rebels <laughs> to follow him. He literally calls a zealot to follow him, a, a, like a religious like, terrorist. Like, like he calls all kinds of people who had rebelled and fallen short because that's the kind of glorious God he is. But I want to encourage you. He's bringing a whole new world out of this world. As we come towards an application for today, let's just see what is the kingdom of God first. Jesus says this. Those of you who said you want something new. The spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. In the sham city of man, there's poverty and injustice and brokenness. And they built this city, Babel, so that humans could be raised above each other. And ever since this time, there's been economic injustice. In God's kingdom, there is fairness and goodness. If you're ready for change and good stuff, Jesus says, I'm proclaiming good news to the poor. And the spiritually poor as well. He's sent to proclaim freedom from the prisoners. I don't mean to go on it because I know some of you think it's just me being old. We went to Luxor Temple, one of the most glorious architectural places in the whole world, right? It's mind-blowing. Like, some of you are going to completely hate me for saying this. I honestly believe they must have had some kind of alien or outside help. I like, I, I'm a rational human being, genuinely. I'm not a conspiracy. They were carving anatomically correct hawks like 200 feet up in the air. And doing it perfectly. The guy did say you can get a lot done with a lot of slaves. Um, 
which was a bit problematic. <laughs> but, but what I love is this idea that he's sent to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. Like, people that were trying to take photos of themselves instead of in front of that beautiful place, it's as if they're imprisoned, needing likes and needing all that kind of stuff. And Jesus would say, I've come to proclaim freedom. For those who don't know where they're heading, he wants to give you sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then once again, just to prove it, it's not just a nice idea. This is what gets him killed, right? Jesus rolls up the scroll, gives it back to the attendant, sits down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began by saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. The kingdom of God is not nice theology. It's not a nice idea to have. It is a present reality. God at work in us and through us to do glorious things. To set free, to open eyes, to do glorious things. That's what the kingdom is going to be. Dan, really quickly. Um, skip that one. It's fine. So how do we get there? How do we get there? Um, when I was in the airport judging people, and I sat down, there was a weird bit where I looked in the mirror. This is absolutely true. Well, not the mirror. It was a window. And I was like, who's that fat bloke? Why is he looking so mean? And I realized it was me, just where I was sat. Now, I know you don't like me calling myself fat. I'm not joking. We had so much buffet food over the week. Like, I'm basically just eating cucumber until Christmas. Like, <laughs> but at this moment where it just flashed up, and I realized the perspective I had was so wrong. So wrong. that I'd, I'd been absorbed by this world, and I wasn't living a spirit-led, God-led existence. And what I love about the kingdom of God is it's there in, in the Lord's Prayer, right? The prayer that Jesus tells us. How do we begin to be a kingdom people? This is my practical bit today, right? Some of you have said I'm craving it. You said I'm craving a new start. Here's a simple way to begin. I'm not saying it's the whole thing. A simple way to begin. You could begin every day by just saying these words because this is the antidote to a worldly view. Okay? We said a world which is divided and self-dominant. kind of dominant. We say, our Father. Our Father. The word our there means we're connected again. Not my Father. It reminds us we're part of something bigger. In a world where we're anxious about the future and not sure whether there's anything in control, we say, Father. Someone who loves us. Who's there for us. Who's faithful who cares not because we're good, but because we're his children. We say, our Father, and we're no longer fighting for me. We say, in heaven, when we're worrying about the future and rushing through life, I was saying in the airport, there's all these people just wishing their flight would come, wishing their flight would come. There's a lot of people going through life going, I wish that house would come, that marriage would come, that job would come, that car would come. Just wishing through. Anxious no more, we say, God, you're in heaven, you see it. You see the end. You start each day, and this is not just a nice, I, I want us to think about taking this seriously. God, at the beginning of a day, our Father, okay, I'm not my own, I'm yours, and I'm part of something bigger, who is in heaven, I'm anxious no more, you see the end. Hallowed be your name. Why do I rush at airports? Genuinely, when you know you're going to have to wait at the baggage bit anyway. Like, it's bonkers, isn't it, if you think about it? Also, quick question, and this is really important. How many of you will stand up early on a plane before it's taxied in and pull your bags out of the... Hands up. Right, leave. 
leave. Our church is welcoming, but no. That is the line. It's like, uh, ladies and gentlemen, please do stay sitting down and don't remove your bags because if the plane does burst into fire here on the runway, you'll kill us all. Oh, yeah, fine, yeah, but I need to get my bag out. Like, sorry, that's me ranting. Hi. <laughs> but, but hallowed be your name is the antidote, right? Not my name. God, today you. You, God, today. How do I hold you out today? How do I do relationships so that you're glorified today? How do I love, forgive, and care so people see you in me today? Hallowed be your name today. Rather than, what am I doing today? Does that make sense? you kind of with me? I'm really nearly there, you guys. I know it's warm. Similar to that, your kingdom come, your will be done. I learned something interesting, by the way. Your kingdom come here is not a, God, I hope that one day your kingdom comes. This was meant to be, God, today, bring in your kingdom now. Jesus, come back. Make this day the last day. Can you imagine what it would be like if you lived every day like it was your last? Some of you are going, uh, I wouldn't get to Vegas quick enough. No, not that kind of thing. Like, like uh, imagine what you would do if you knew this was the last day. Imagine if you had that kind of urgency. What would you prioritize? Who would you be with? What would you work on? What would you say? Imagine if this shaped your day. God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Imagine what that would do. The first step to being a kingdom people is to prioritize the kingdom. It also gives us our instructions. What am I doing today? Well, if I'm a believer, I'm here to, to, to live the kingdom, enjoy the kingdom, share the kingdom. That's what the kingdom is for. Then lastly, give us this day our daily bread. Can last question today? Is duty-free any cheaper? I, I honestly, I, I'm genuine, genuine question. Is it cheaper? Because the M&M's seem very expensive. It is cheaper. On makeup, Toblerone? Okay. So maybe it's the M- There are some people buying a lot of stuff. And I'm not, once again, this is me when I was being my like, judgy self. Some of you are going, I love a little bit of perfume. Like, that's cool, not knocking it. But imagine having a day where you went, actually, a kingdom principle today is God today, just enough, and what I need. Today, just enough, and what I need. Now, I know it's warm, and you guys are stuck with me. Can I say, as we begin this series of how do we start to live the kingdom, it's a bit like just new glasses. So I'm going to start the day with this in mind. It doesn't solve everything. I I, want to challenge you. If you're someone who's tired and feel like you need a new beginning, you will only find rest in Christ who says, come to me, those who are weary, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The challenge Christians is we don't look like it sometimes. And we're holding all kinds of burdens that are not ours to carry. And so no wonder the world looks at us and goes, but actually, what have you got to offer? Does that make sense? So I want to challenge you and encourage you with that. How do we begin to live the kingdom? Well, Jesus gives us a prayer where the kingdom's in it. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven.
give us a stay out daily bread. It goes on to talk about forgiveness of sin and all that kind of stuff. We're going to pick that up in, in later weeks. I want to encourage us to begin here. And if, like me, you're at an airport judging people, take that seriously. Because that has no place in a world full of God. God, he says, go to those people. They're lost without a shepherd. And they need me. And I'm honest, in the airport, most of the time, I was trying to get in different queues from all of them. And this is the worst bit. And this is the confession. You know when you're on the coach going to your hotel and you're looking around, you're going, oh, I hope that family don't get off at the same hotel as me. <laughs> it's awful, isn't it? It's awful. It's, like, it's, it's, it's so bad. Oh, what hotel are you at? Oh, yeah, we're going to Jazz at Quaviva. <laughs> it's just so pathetic. And this challenge for me has been helpful. Hallowed be your name.